You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. All right. Well, you might have noticed John and Karen are not here. Did anybody notice that? No, I'm just kidding. Everybody noticed that. So uh, they, they put me up here. So here we are. We're gonna, I've got some stuff for you today uh, to talk about. They're just taking their vacation. So, yeah. So they're, they're good. Don't text them with emergencies. Don't, don't do all that. All right. You guys ready to get into the word today? Okay. I've had in my heart for a long time now, whew, the anointing of Boyd is coming on me. It's his fault, not me. I start crying, it's him. I don't really operate this way normally. <laughs> kidding. I was actually reading a 9-11 thing yesterday as I'm cooking dinner and Duncan and the kids are sitting there and I just start weeping and Duncan is horrified like, what happened? And I said, oh, I just, I'm reading this article about this thing that happened and I said, and then I joked as I kind of calmed down, I said, or I'm watching a Disney movie. It's really hard to tell like why I'm weeping. I get it. Anyway, all right. So I want to talk about, um, I I called it battle-ready faith. You know, and I've had this picture in my head, and I've had this, kind of these encounters and this um, thing I'm walking through where I'm really digging into what is hope and what is faith and and what does it mean to stand in faith and what does it mean to um, trust God and do I really trust God in all, all areas of my life? And so I was kind of putting all these things together and this title, Battle Ready Faith, kind of came to mind. You know, what does it mean to keep your faith and hold your faith in a battle when you're in a hard time, when, when circumstances, you know, like Boyd just mentioned, when the world just kind of stops around you and you're like, what, what just happened? Where are we? What do we do from here? What do I believe? How do I move forward? So I, I wrote this kind of, I um, hope I can take a little poetic license. I, I wrote this out as kind of a, a way to start this and, and kind of encompass the picture I have in my head. Because I don't really have, it, it didn't, this is a weird one for me. It didn't start as a teaching where I got a scripture and I'm diving into the Greek meaning of those words and all that. This is a picture I've had that has held me steady. And it, it comes from Ephesians 6. It says, you know, Hold above all else, hold up your shield of faith. And so I have this, this thing. Let's just read it. This thing I wrote to kind of show you what was in my head and in my heart. As I say that out loud, are you scared? <laughs> okay, just, just curious. All right. Shield up, the warrior stands. Ooh, thought I'd get more through, through more than one sentence. Shield up, the warrior stands. Arrows are flying. Accusations, fear, hopelessness. Flames blazing. The temptations, the reasons to quit are many. Sorry, guys. Boy, do you want to read this? (laughs) Behind the shield, the warrior holds on to hope. A A gaze fixed on Jesus anchors the warrior and hope rises. Battles have come before, and Jesus was faithful. Gosh, you guys, I'm so sorry. The battle feels big. This battle feels bigger. More is at stake than ever. 
more than the warrior even knows is at stake. The warrior suspects that the victory is not about yesterday's mistakes or today's fears. This battle is about what could be. (laughs) What God is always meant to be, standing today will secure a testimony. Extinguishing one more arrow will be ground secured for generations to come. Hope is too valuable to let go of. Hope gives courageous strength to hold up the arrow-quenching shield against the onslaught of arrows. Faith is the warrior's shield. Arrows fall extinguished and smoking to the ground. Each one a testimony that the warrior picks up to equip a new generation, each one a reminder of the goodness of God. The battle was never about the warrior's weakness or failures. The battle was an attack on faith and testimony. The attack was on what could be, not what has been. Though marred and marked by arrow tips, the warrior's shield is more beautiful than ever. Each mark tells of overcoming. So that's the picture I have. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Should work on my public speaking skills there. (sighs) Public crying down to a T. All right. So that's kind of the picture I have, you know, of Ephesians 6.16 in my head, in my heart. Of just, you know, and obviously, if you read Ephesians 6, there is... There are other pieces of armor that we carry and we equip ourselves with and God gives us. But for some reason in this season, for me, it has been to stand and hold up that shield and keep your gaze fixed on hope and to not, because when you, your, your hope is in Christ and you keep your gaze fixed on him, what that does is it stirs up pictures in your heart. Yes, I'm in this, I love the way Boyd put it, I couldn't put my finger on it, that, that time-stopping moment. You don't know what's next, and you don't know how to move forward, and it's not fair. The things other people brought to your doorstep, or maybe it was your choices, but there's a mark in the sand now. What are we going to do? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And he begins to paint this picture in your heart, this prophetic picture. This isn't the end. There is more. There is hope. I am the God who makes all things. I, ta- uh, I work all things together for good, for you. We hold on to that, and it begins to paint this picture in us that gives us the strength and the grace to keep holding up that shield. So today, when we're talking about battle-ready faith, I'm not talking about defending our position as Christians against people, though I don't know if we ever need to do that. We need to love people and Prove to them, not defend ourselves, if that makes sense. Prove through love, prove through actions, prove through laying on the hands and seeing the sick healed. That's how we prove our faith. Nor is this a, a dissertation on apologetics. apologetics. I, I can't even say the word, so we're not going to go there. It's really, it is, it's a heart-to-heart from me to you about what to do in those time-stopping moments when the challenging, the ugly, the awful, the losses, the tragedy when those unfair circumstances hit you, illness, trauma, okay, they're going to happen, and I'm sorry that they are. You know, I I have heard Joyce Myers talk about her childhood and the awful abuse she went through from her father. And she says at this point in her life, and this this has been years and years, probably 20 years ago I've heard her say this. I don't know when this clicked for her. She said, I don't even regret that that happened to me because... 
Like this sounds crazy if you say it out loud, and yet it's so true if you've walked any bit of time with God and walked through something with him. You can say, I don't even regret that this has happened to me. Because God is so good, he made that better than I could have ever imagined. It sounds crazy unless you know God. So, how's life going for you? Have you is this going to ring a bell for anybody? Have you faced some challenges? Anybody? <laughs> okay. Not just I me. Mean, this isn't just Annie's therapy today. Okay. Here's, here's as I've gone through hard things. My... My greatest cry was always, God, don't let my heart become hard. Help me, stop, help me to keep loving people. When they bring all of their drama, drama llama, that's what we say at the house, they bring all their drama to our front door, and people are, hurt you, how is your heart? How is your faith? Okay? Um. Because I believe we can come out of these battles, these moments, stronger, loving more deeply, and with more endurance. And that's actually in the Bible. So if you're curious, it's in there. And that is my goal for walking in the battle. I want to have more love. I want to have more faith. I want to have a deeper connection with Jesus. I want to I I keep my heart soft in his presence. And I'm not completely there, but I have found some tools along the way. So let's talk about those. And I want to say this. Um, the challenge is against our faith. So as you see this picture of this warrior holding up the shield, and first of all, the shield is, um, Paul was in watching Roman soldiers as he's writing, as he's traveling. He sees the Roman soldiers, and they have um, head-to-toe or, or you know, full-body-length shields that are heavy. They're about the size of a door. And if you look into this word, it means the original word was like, Oh, I have it somewhere else, so we'll, if I, I'll correct it later if I need to. But it was, it was also the word used for the stone that closes a cave entrance. Okay, we're talking like serious, like your faith will close the door on some things, and it should. Your faith is head-to-toe covering of shield that is protecting you, okay? And the challenge is coming against you. As you hold this, this picture I have of just holding up that faith against the things coming at you in life— the challenge is, I don't think, I was going to say, challenge me if you want. Don't, I don't even need you to do that. You think through this through and write your own blog. I don't think the challenges to our faith are the circumstances. I think the challenges to our faith is the onslaught of lies and accusation and fear and uh, maybe humiliation or all these things that the enemy then, the, the attack on your identity that begin to come after, after that time-stopping moment, the why questions. Why me? Why not me? How did this happen? Where were you, God? The attacks on your value and your identity. Maybe I'm not worthy. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe this is because God's trying to punish me or teach me something. All of these attacks. And look, and faith is... Let me boil this down very simply. And again, I have a better definition somewhere if we get to it. My definition of faith is trusting that God is good and he does only good. That's faith. God is good and he does only good and I will lean my life into that. And so when you're standing up with that shield of faith, knowing that God is good will protect you from the attacks against your identity. No, no, God said he is good and he does good. God said 
when he made man in the garden, it is good. He is good. She is good. Okay? I am, I, I, God said, I am a son. I am a daughter. It's that goodness of God in our lives as children of God that we can say, no, no. I am worthy of love. Those thoughts and those fears. Yeah, I could, you know, uh, Psalm, th- Psalm 91 says, you know, you who dwell in the presence of the Most High God, you will fear no evil. You will not fear the attacks by day or the terrors of the night. You rest in his presence. You, that shield protects you. Okay? Oh, there's my definition. That's so funny. The challenge to your faith. I should just follow the notes, eh? <laughs> the challenge to your faith is not in the circumstance. Okay? Does that make sense? Do you guys get what I'm trying to say there? It brings some challenges. It, the challenge is the onslaught of the lies, the fears, the ways we want to self-protect after a time-stopping event. I'm just going to grab that. That's mine now. Temptations to indulge, and the temptations to indulge in the pain-numbing behaviors after an event or a, a something that happens. Okay, biblical faith is an assurance or guarantee, a conviction about God. So what are you convinced about God? What conviction... Con- Convictions do you have about God? Okay? About what convictions you have about his word? Is it powerful? Is it alive? Is it an active? Can it transform your mind and your thoughts and that broken heart and that broken relationship and that bad business deal and that kid that doesn't seem like they're going to make it and, and serve Jesus like you've been praying? Whatever it is. What is your conviction? What's your conviction about your relationship to him? Does he love you? Is he faithful? Is he provider? Is he father, protector? Trust. Faith is trust. What is believed? It is a conviction of the truthfulness of God and reliance upon Christ for salvation. And salvation is spirit, soul, and body. It's God's goodness to you in every area of your life. Not just goodness. His goodness is manifest as salvation, which is total redemption, total healing, total provision, redemption in every area. So in short, again, my definition, faith is trusting that God is who he says he is and that he will do exactly what he said he'll do. And if you read into that a little more, if you look that up, God says he's good and he will do only good. And I think, too, as we, as we look at this today, faith is seeing the goodness of Christ and partnering with him. Okay, What we hoped for, this confident expectation of good, we look into him, we go, you are good, and you do only good, so good stuff must be coming, even though nothing around me looks like it, okay? Then that begins to work out in the everyday, ordinary life, your everyday, ordinary life. So Ephesians 6.16, we've referenced this, but it says, actually, <laughs> in addition to all these, okay, all the other weapons, all the other things, uh, weapons and, sh- and armor we have, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil, Okay, again, the fiery arrows, I believe, are the lies and accusations that challenge your trust of God's goodness to you, to you, for you, toward you, in you, okay? And it's not the circumstance that's going to take you out. It's what you do with those arrows after the circumstance. Are you going to pick them up? John, a couple weeks ago, said, you know, you can allow those arrows to set your whole life on fire, or you put your faith up and let it extinguish those arrows, Okay, we also need to stop viewing challenges in life, circumstances, as punishment from God or looking at other believers and going, 
oh, must be because they have sin in their life. They're secret sin. That's why they're having a challenge. Oh, God must be trying to teach them something. Okay, James 1 is very clear. God tempts no one. He brings evil to no one because he is not a tempter. He is not tempted by evil. He does not tempt with evil. Okay, look, we live in a world where people are hurting and broken and they're bringing stuff to our front door. And that, and that happens. And no, it's not fair. And you know, and we live in a world where there's sickness and we live in a world where there's brokenness. And I'm sorry. It's not fair, but you are equipped for this battle. And I want to I say these painful hard circumstances, these attacks on your life and your family or your future, I think they have more to do with what you could be, what God, how God designed you and created you and what your future and your destiny is supposed to be than on anything to do with your past. So you can be like, oh, in the middle of this attack and go, oh my gosh, this must be because I smoked pot in high school. I, I think God is punishing me now for that. no. I mean, don't do stupid stuff like that if you haven't yet. I, yeah, right? Like, and I'm not saying that sin doesn't matter, and I'm not saying that holiness doesn't matter. But the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. So when you stand in a place where time has stopped, you can either believe that God is good and he will never leave you or forsake you and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and you are his beloved and you fill yourself with those things or you stand there and go, yeah, I probably deserve this punishment or sickness, whatever it is, right? No, no, no. What comes into your life is either because you are taking new ground and you've got to weed out the enemies and or because the enemy, I, I was thinking about this today, I can't, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Not, not renovated, torn down, made new. Creatures, creations, not creatures. <laughs> creations in Christ Jesus. The enemy sees that more than we see it, I think. We have got to get the identity of Jesus Christ into our being, who we are. Because when those accusations come against you, you got to know who you are. Because you can't keep going back to, you can't go back to who you were and keep moving forward, but you also can't let those who you were stop you from moving into who God says you are. And yeah, there's, it's not going to be easy to take new ground, and that's going to be okay. Okay. What are the arrows? I already mentioned this a little bit. Accusations against you that bring shame, that belittle your identity as a child of God and created in his image, lies that tell you you are bad, broken, or a problem. Anything that fits into one of those categories, those are, these are the arrows that I find that come um, often. These, this is where, I was going to say mind control, this is where taking every thought captive is vital. If you, I, heard a, I heard a man, um, he, he was, he, he, his testimony, his story is super negative his whole life, 
um, his wife almost left him because he was so negative and so depressed and, and he was searching. Like, there's got to be, you know, I think he's Jewish, but he tried every religion except Christianity and then finally had an encounter with God. And he said, you know what I learned? This is just something, it, it just struck me the way he said this. You were not designed to have negative thoughts. If you could choose, you can choose, but you in your right mind, would not choose a negative, accusing, lying thought. That stuck with me. Because then when I have thoughts that say, you are not worthy of love, you can't do that. Who do you think you are to trust God for something like that? You know where, I now know where those come from. Does that come from God's heart? No. At at best, it comes from my brokenness, but Let's start standing against these thoughts and these accusations, whether against yourself. The other ways the arrow flies is in offense and strife, where we become, yeah, you know what? She did look at me funny. We start to meditate on these thoughts and have these accusations towards ourselves and to others. Um, The accusation and strife and offense towards others, it brings disconnection. And unforgiveness, right, it also brings, and, and, and harboring unforgiveness, it also brings torment and chaos, Okay, torment and chaos. Okay, so again, the arrows, lies about who you are, lies about your circumstances, lies about who God is, lies about your value, your ability and worthiness to be loved and connected, lies that keep you hidden, broken, and hurting, and in fear, and keep you disconnected and separated from love. Okay, these are the arrows that will come against you, and they will absolutely, if you pick one up, set your life on fire. If you believe you are not worthy of love. You will remain disconnected from people who can love you, love the hell out of you, <laughs> help you see your value. Okay, a shield of faith says, whatever I go through, I will not waver in my trust in God. I will not waver in my trust that he is good and that he makes all things good, that he made me good. He's faithful. He will never leave me or forsake me. So I wanted to also hop over to James 1, 2 through 4. If you want to go there, um, this is, I'm reading from the NLT. Are you guys okay? Okay. Dear brothers and sisters, <laughs> when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. This is everybody's favorite scripture in the whole Bible. Woohoo! Life's hard. Let's have a party. Nobody says that. Well, I don't know. I feel like I know a couple of people that might say that. <laughs> for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Okay. Troubles of any kind. When you dig into this word, I haven't done it for a while, but it is a multifaceted array of all kinds of troubles and trials that the world will throw at you. Okay, and if you keep reading down to the bottom of the chapter, these are not from God. But consider it an opportunity for great joy because when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Who likes a good workout at the gym? One, two, three. Okay, <laughs> no. Okay, maybe a half back there. Okay, a couple of you. This is what this word is meaning. You have faith. You have it within you to stand, to withstand these storms, to put out these arrows. 
you have to put that into work. The other, the, this te- word testing also means like it's a refining picture, a picture of refining metals, precious metals to get the impurities out, okay? So the end of this, like so we can be like, wow, I feel like all of hell has come against my life. Sweet, I'm going to get a deeper faith, deeper revelation of the faithfulness of God. I'm going to have more endurance. And then it says when you have, when your endurance is fully developed, and I don't know like at what level that happens, because that would be sweet. I feel like, I wish I could have a chart, like you're 80% there, you know, because then you, I just feel like I could hang on better. Anybody else? We don't get that. So I don't know when this happens, but it says when your endurance is fully developed, here's what, here's what Chris Allison says. He's, you know, the, the parable of the mustard seed, or he says, you know, your faith is so small. Chris Valton says it this way, it's not that your faith is small and there's bigger faith, it's that you just didn't keep it in the game long enough. The endurance wasn't there. You just need to keep enduring, keep putting your faith in the game, keep putting it in the fire, keep standing, let that endurance grow. And when that endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. (sighs) One day. But this idea of perfect and complete needing nothing is also an idea of maturity, okay? And we know that mature things produce fruit, okay? So faith, put in the fire, refines us. You can come out of the fire burned and bitter, upset, angry, hardened heart, or we come out of the fire refined, purified, deeper, more deeply connected with Jesus, okay? We come out, I had a, a really good little phrase there, better or burned, I don't know, something like that. Okay, more mature. Um, endurance grows, you mature. Okay. And look, how you read this verse has everything to do with what you think about God. Is he good? And can he be trusted? If that's yes, then you'll see him in the battles of life as with you and for you. If God is not good and can't be trusted, you're going to read this as punishment to fix you. Okay, count it all joy when you test face trials, because God is trying to fix something in you because you're broken. Look, we're all kind of broken, but like God doesn't see it that way. He sees you as in Christ Jesus, whole and perfect, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, we're still working stuff out. He's not on a mission to punish us, okay? So when we we can face head on all of the troubles that come and walk out refined or we can shrink back, play the victim card, and come out burned from the flame. So that was it. You can come out refined, or you come out burned and bitter. Okay? And I just wrote this. Look, guys, it's time to put your faith in the fire. It is time to partner with God for more and be amazed. We are not. Hebrews 10 is one of my, I think, 9 or 10. There's a verse that says, look, we are not of those that shrink back and are destroyed, but of those that endure and put our faith in the fire. Okay, God has been, God told me this months ago. I didn't like it (laughs) because I wanted to feel sorry for myself that day. He said, you can be the victim. You cannot be the victim and be victorious. You cannot feel sorry for yourself. You cannot be the victim in this moment and tell everybody how bad you have it and make sure everybody knows how you were wronged and make sure how everybody knows how hard your life is. I get it. Like, you need to have those conversations with people. But there's a, there's a shift between I need, you know, to talk to my counselor about this or my good friend to 
I need people to feel sorry for me and, and make this better. You cannot be the victim and be victorious. So we have to lay down the unfair, the wrong, the unforgiveness, the retaliation, and declare, but God works all things together for good. Okay. The victories you win become your authority. Okay, we're standing with our shield of faith. Arrows are flying. You're quenching them. They're going out. You're standing in faith. You're getting tired, but your hope is fixed on Jesus. He's walking you through this, okay? Your victories are the, the arrows that are quenched at your feet. And I, I, I had this picture. It's like a bank account of testimonies. A bank account of testimonies saved up for others to draw from. A trust fund. <laughs> the arrows at your feet are an opportunity to equip a generation with the victory you stood for. This talks about inheritance. This talks about influence. This talks about legacy. You have the opportunity every day to partner with hope and speak out a prophetic word of faith that will turn the tide on your circumstances. You have the opportunity to look at your feet and feel sorry for yourself for all of the arrows at your feet. Man, that was hard. I, I, I think they don't, I think if you do that, though, I don't know that they go out. I think you're partnering with it in that case. Because we, you know, when I say those arrows can come and set your life on fire, what happens is we have the choice to partner with or take every thought captive, the things that come against us, the accusations and the lies and the fears. So if you're going to partner with that lie, you're receiving it into your life, and it will set your life on fire. It will impact you. But if you can put those out and they fall at your feet, if you can speak out a prophetic word of faith that you found in the presence of God, speak out a better future, speak out life, speak out hope, those will all go away and they go into a bank account of testimonies that you can draw from in the future. I was thinking about it when I was going through like this last, these last couple years. One of the things, I listened to a podcast and one of the things I had to do this lady was taught, Donna De Silva out of Bethel Sozo was saying, she was referencing David and how he went to kill Goliath. And he said, he pulled on the testimony of God's faithfulness with the lion and the bear. He said, I killed the lion, I killed the bear, Goliath is nothing. She said, I don't care how small that testimony is. Sometimes you've got to pick it up and say, okay, God was faithful here. I overcame here. And, and kind of put that, transpose it, put it on this new circumstance. You can also listen to other people's testimonies. She was healed. He was set free. They were delivered. They had an encounter with Jesus. Yes, I take that. I take that testimony and I declare it as mine. You pull from the bank account, right? We're family. We all have the same bank account. You put your testimonies in the trust fund. I'll put mine in. And we let a generation draw from them. There it is. Hebrews 10.39, if you want to know, says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Okay, I want to jump over to Ze Zechariah 9.12. I was so fascinated by this idea of the arrows and the, the shield of faith, but these arrows that come against us, I'm not, here, look, I don't want us to be devil conscious. Oh my gosh, he's always attacking me now. Every thought is a devil attack. I don't know, it could just be a really bad thought process and pattern and habit of thinking that you've allowed to come in. And you need to speak to that and say, road closed on this thought pattern. 
I am no longer going to speak to myself in these uh, ways that God wouldn't speak to me. I'm no longer going to speak these negative, destructive things over my life. I'm no longer going to. I have, when accusations and offense pop up, I used to just follow that train, you know, and then I'm like riled up. Look, you can go, no, no, I will not partner with a spirit of accusation. I don't care how much I was wronged. I don't care how much um, I deserve to be angry. I will not partner with the spirit of accusation against somebody. You can stop that. And then you know what my favorite prayer is, guys, in all this? Jesus, help me. (laughs) Jesus, help me. I am in a swirl. The thoughts, the the arrows, I want to partner with him. Jesus, help me. He's so good. He does. Okay, Zechariah 9, are you there? Verse 12. So I started looking up arrows in the Bible, and I found this verse, these verses. So starting in verse 12, come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. I promise this very day that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. Hold that thought. Judah is my bow and Israel is my arrow. Jerusalem is my sword. And like a warrior, I will brandish it against the Greeks. That's my translation. The Lord will appear. So if you're Greek, it's not personal. (laughs) Love you, yeah. The Lord will appear above his people. His arrows will fly like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the ram's horn and attack like a whirlwind from the southern desert. Okay. Here's what, here's what I want to get. <laughs> I hope this is, Jesus help me. I hope this is translated the way it is in my head and heart. God says, Judah is my bow. Or your translation might say, I have bent Judah as my bow. Okay, so first of all, I had to go look that up. Because I'm imagining bending the bow means pulling the arrow back. It does not. Bending, and, and I'm sorry if this is totally wrong. This is a quick Google search. I don't know anything about archery. Bending the bow means stringing the bow so it is ready to fire the arrow. Yes? Okay. Yes. Google did not let me down. And, you know, because I was looking up, I was looking in the Bible at the meaning of this word bent or bend. And it means to stand on. And I'm like, I don't like that. I don't think God's standing on us. So keep nodding if this is right. Okay. So what you do is you hold the bow and you stand on the string as you're you're getting the tension just right and getting it on there. He's not crushing you. He is tensioning your faith and getting you ready. And you're in the presence of God. And here's the thing. Okay, so you got that picture, right? God's not stepping on us. He's bending the bow. He's getting you battle ready. If you're the bow, Judah's the bow. Judah means I will praise. The root word is yada, which means praise and thanksgiving. Through praise and thanksgiving, the bow in God's hands is strong. Okay, praise and thanksgiving. Okay, we know that praise and thanksgiving silences the enemy. Praise and thanksgiving equips us, it prepares us, and sharpens us to withstand. And here's what I'm getting at, right? We've got this picture. These, these smoldering arrows are at our feet. We've overcome the thoughts, the accusations, the lies, the attacks against our life, and the bow is bent through praise and worship. We've strung the bow. Our faith is taut. It's ready. It's tuned. And we're going to grab those arrows. And we're not going to shoot them at other people. <laughs> Remember, these now are our testimonies. What the enemy tried to take us out with is now our testimony of God's faithfulness in our, in our bank account. We're picking up an arrow. The bow, through thanksgiving and praise, intimacy in his presence is tight. Okay? 
Then it says, Israel is my arrow. Israel means double fruit or double ash heap, okay? Or a place of fruitfulness from the ash heap, okay? And I, I couldn't even have made this up any better because, right, when those time-stopping moments happen, it feels like your life is just on fire and there will be no more, there will be no recovery from this. There will be no victory from this. We, we withstood, we stood our ground, but it kind of looks like everything's on fire now and, and we're not sure why we, why we bothered to stand. The bow is strung through praise and worship. Thanksgiving. The arrows are double fruit, a double hatching. Again, because I don't want to get in trouble for this one. We, well, first, we know in Isaiah it says, God will give you beauty for ashes. Okay, out of ash heaps come fertile things. It's good for the ground. It brings more life. It fertilizes. But also, if you think about it, um, and this is where I want to reference Chris Valentin. You can email him about it. I'm just kidding. I really like it. I don't know if these were his exact words. This is what I interpreted it as. You know what fertilizer is? You know where, right, like you get your chicken poop or your cow poop. I don't know what makes good fertilizer, but it's, it's, it's the excrement. It's the, what is discarded. It makes really good fertilizer, yeah? Okay? Parts of your life left in ashes or a heap of poo by your choices or someone else's, go back to worship. Pick up your faith again. It is the fertilizer. It looks like an ash heap. It is fertilizer. I don't know why God does it that way. I don't know how he is that good to take what looked like destruction in our lives and actually make it better than it could have ever been before. If you'll put your faith in the game, if you'll keep going back, get back to worship, put your faith in again, get your focus back on Jesus, and begin to see the beautiful testimony of God's goodness springing from the ash heap. Oh, there it is. Fertilizer is the messes of life intentionally taken to God for redemption. It's okay. You know, I just think that's funny. It helps me when things feel like a pile of poo. Then I'm like, this is good. This is fertilizer. It's going to be okay. There we go. Okay, you guys are okay. Okay, and then it says, Zion is my sword, monumental or guiding pillar. God's promise, God's word, okay? So now when we say, James 1 says, count it all joy. The bow is bent. Count it joy. Begin to praise. Begin to thank God. He was there with the lion. He was there with the bear. Now you're facing Goliath. Start praising. Start thanking for the lion and the bear because this giant is not bigger than God's faithfulness, not bigger than his goodness in your life. Count it a good thing to rejoice in. A testimony is about to be released a double portion, fruit, maturity. Remember we talked about when you keep your faith in the fire, it is refined and it creates endurance and endurance creates maturity. Maturity is fruit, okay? Double fruit. You're picking up the testimony of what was thrown at you. You're bending the bow through worship and you're releasing it to a generation around you. Here's where this started. I, I, I started with that picture in Ephesians 6. You guys doing okay? A few more minutes? Started with that picture in Ephesians 6. And then God connected it for me to Psalms 127.4. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. Seems odd, right? But as I have gone further and deeper into studying this and bringing it to God, this is the picture. Not that um, 
It, for me, it is the picture of the battles you have endured, the victories you have won, become the testimony that you equip a generation with. You are a warrior equipping. Look, you don't have kids. I get it. That's okay. You are equipping those you influence. You are equipping people around you. You have a place of influence and authority. You are equipping another generation with your testimonies. You know, I think in all of this, I kind of, we're running out of time, but how to be battle ready was my next thought here. And I've been kind of just in Psalms 91 a lot. And it talks about communion and communion and intimacy. Um, it talks about resting in God. It talks about staying in a place of communion and peace with God to eat the meal he sets before us. Um, you know, and I think about this, I want to open that and look at one thing. It talks about rest. Even in the battle, especially after the battle, we need to find rest in his presence. He is, here, let's just, I'm just going to bullet point some of these things. Okay, those who live in the shelter of the Most High find rest in the shadow of Almighty. He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He's my God and I trust him. Look, if you are not dwelling every day in the presence of God and letting him speak to you and having that relationship and encounter and communion with him, you are not in a place of full trust. Well, I don't want to say that, but like you can deepen that trust and then when you go into the battle, there is no doubt that you, that he is with you. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He covers you with his feathers and shelters you his faithful promises are your armor and protection. I wanted to read this to you. So, here's what I think. As we're dwelling in that place of communion, we know that perfect love casts out fear. All these lies, all these accusations, it's fear-based, okay? I gotta tell you, fear is the biggest liar. I got to a point where when I become afraid of something, and this takes work, and it's not always there for me, but if I remember, when I become afraid of something, I can kind of just laugh. Like, oh, fear is such a liar. That means something really good is on its way. Or that means the opposite is true about this circumstance because fear is a liar. It wants to shut you down. It wants you to shrink back. It wants you to set down your faith. It wants you to doubt God's goodness. It wants you to doubt that the people around you love you. It wants you to pull back from community. Tell you you're not loved, okay? I had this thought too. You guys good for another thought? A few more thoughts? I don't have a favorite kid. Do you guys have a favorite kid, your parents? Some of you are like, well, there's one I wouldn't wake up in the morning on purpose. No. For me, that's the energetic one. I'm like, I just need until eight until you hit the world. Um, I don't have a favorite kid, but there, are, if a kid is not distracted and is a little more in tune with me that day and notices that I have sneaked away to the kitchen for some chocolate almond butter or a cookie and they follow me in there, guess who's getting a cookie? Right? Like, he who dwells in the shadow of the most. I always tell Jordan, I don't need a shadow. I have one. 
you don't, she'll like literally walk in front of me, like, where are you going? Like trying to figure out where I'm going. Um, like, I don't have a favorite kid, but the one that stays close often gets my heart or the special treat. God doesn't have a favorite, but if you'll stay close, you're going to know his heart. You're going to know his ways. You're going to know when he sneaks off to the kitchen for some chocolate. Thanks. <laughs> I'm glad that's good. I'll stop now. Okay, Barb got it. She's good. Okay, <laughs> okay. we're good. If Barb got it, where you can just end now. God is love that sends fear running. He is unconditional, perfect love that casts out fear. Run back to perfect love. Let him wrap you, hold you, and heal you. God's presence is like rain. It waters everything in our heart. Here's what happens when you're in God's presence. When you start to dwell with him, when you start to commune with him in this way. I kind of referenced it this morning, you know. I'm a big puddle of tears on the floor. And that wasn't because I was sad. It was a healing and, a, and it was an overwhelming of God's presence and goodness. It was... I don't, I don't know why some people laugh. Some people just pass out. I sob. I, it's a gift. <laughs> right, Boyd? It's a gift. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but when it begins to water our hearts, when we're in that place with God, there are seeds in there that aren't all good. And those are going to sprout up too. Don't avoid the presence of God. Don't back off from his presence and his communion with him because negative things pop up. Just take those to him. Get them out. Uproot them. Extinguish the flame. Stop agreeing with that lie. But don't back out of his presence. Let the the good um, plants, the good fruit grow and, and flourish. Okay, but often I think we get into the presence of God and we have this experience and we're like, oh my gosh, that was horrible because I... Maybe, and look, God doesn't cause condemnation, but maybe you're feeling these things coming up. Um, yeah, or, or offense or strife. Get it out. Get it out. Keep pushing into the presence of God. Let him water you. Let him wash you, okay? Oh, this is good too. And then we'll close. Every day, you get to decide which testimonies you will pick up. Remember, we've got testimonies at our feet of God's faithfulness. Lots of people also have testimonies of how not good life has been to them. Okay? Here's an example. Riding bikes years and years and years ago with a church group with friends. One friend says, we're going, I remember the spot on Joshua's, and actually they've kind of cleared it out. It's not there anymore. It was kind of this narrow, two rocks with a narrow path through it. I was just looking at my bike pedals yesterday. I hit them every time. I don't know why. Like, I I can't clear. I don't know how to pedal around those rocks. But I had a friend tell me, yeah, I I heard of somebody once. Okay, it wasn't her. It wasn't somebody she knew. It was somebody that she knew that told her, you know, like three, four people removed. I heard of somebody who hit a rock once and totally broke their foot. Can I tell you what I hear in my head? Every time I go through a similar little narrow rock section, instead of like, just pedal around it, I hear, you're going to break your foot. You know, I've never broken my foot on a rock. And I don't plan to. This is, we can pick up the negative testimony and run with it. Or we pick up the testimony that says, yeah, lots of people didn't do that. (laughs) So anyway, are you picking up 
eyewitness accounts of love or fear. Again, be in the presence of God. Be in deep communion with him and let that love wash away the fear. Okay. So we're out of time. I don't really want to keep you guys long. Um, I do want to say this. You know, those time-stopping moments can cause trauma to your soul. These circumstances can leave marks on your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your thought patterns. And you feel like you can't escape them sometimes. Maybe it's a memory or something triggers you. There's depression or fear. So I do want to say we're out of time, but um, I want to encourage you to either take this to God today or come up for prayer. But I, I want you to look at the lies you've been believing, the arrows that you have picked up that weren't testimonies of love but of fear, maybe those traumas that you're still holding on to. And I want you to begin to repent, which means to change your mind, to let go of those partnerships with the lies of the enemy, with the lies of anything but love, anything but the unconditional love of God. Maybe that's depression, suicidal thoughts. Sometimes we're dealing with spiritual warfare. Sometimes we're dealing with thought patterns that we can't break free of. You can speak to your brain and say, hey, brain, this road is closed now. We don't go down this thought pattern of, um, of replaying the video of that trauma anymore. We don't go through the video of, or the questions of why anymore. We turn our gaze to God. Anyway, so my list of, you know, some of the partnerships or things you might need to break are depression, suicidal thoughts, pain of loss through death, disappointment, addiction. And look, I had social media in there just as high as, like, pornography and alcohol and drugs. So, like, addiction, right? Like, let's break it off of us. Addiction is looking for something to fill the void, to, to, to numb the pain, because we don't know how to just stop agreeing with that partnership, to walk away from that pain, okay? God can heal the pain and break you free from the addiction. Okay, from fear, infirmity, sickness, um, shame and condemnation, accusation against yourself and others, and powerlessness and hopelessness. Okay, so what lies are you believing about a situation? Take them to God. Say, I'm sorry I was thinking that way, God. I'm sorry I didn't trust you in that area. And lay at his feet and ask him what, what the truth is about you or that situation. Okay, sometimes it's just a matter of I, I, will, not, I will no longer partner with um, a spirit of powerlessness or a spirit of infirmity or... Uh, or with addiction. I will no longer partner with those things and I break them off in Jesus' name, okay? These are some of the tools that we can use. Okay, so I wrote, repent of the partnership with a lie. Release forgiveness over yourself or others. You can pray healing over your brain. Again, put up that road close sign. Close the highways to, to negative thought patterns about yourself, about life, about situations, circumstances. You can break off the trauma of the memories what, is that? what does that mean? In Jesus' name, I declare trauma no longer has power over, my, over this memory. I can remember this loss. I can remember this event. But it will no longer send me into a state of trauma, of depression, of anxiety, whatever it is, okay? It's that simple, guys. I mean, like, it's really practical. It's not just like, ooh. In case you're wondering. These are steps I have taken to gain more freedom in my life and in my thoughts, okay? I'm not just making something up or pulling it out of a book. 
I did pull some of it out of the book, but this is what helped me get through it. Pray this. Some of you need healing and wholeness where creativity and learning and emotional or intellectual growth has been hindered from a trauma or an event in your life. Okay? Oh, I'm just left brain. Now, let's look at, I mean, you might be. (laughs) But if learning or emotional intellectual growth has been hindered, and that's something that's rising up in you, let's pray for that. Let's, Let's take that trauma away. All right, recognize where the fear has lied to you and told you it was protecting you. Fear, fear is not your safety net. God is. You no longer need fear to protect you. Repent of that belief and ask unconditional love to be your shield and protection. And then declare that your family, you can also, again, we're equipping a generation. We're sending this out into, uh, for generations to come. Declare it over your family. My family line is free from this addiction. My family line is free from powerlessness or hopelessness or depression or suicide. This, whatever the brokenness is, whatever the lie and the partnership is, you get to start it and you get to begin to um, shoot those arrows. You begin to store up those testimonies. Okay. You guys good? Does that make sense? That's all I got. I don't have time for the whole thing, but thank you for coming up. <laughs> you guys want to go home or do more? No, I'm kidding. I'm done. Let's stand up. Sorry. You're welcome to stand up. Stand up. I apologize. Oh, God. I, just, I thank you right now. You are so good. And I thank you. Any, anyone in this room where you said, yeah, you're partnering with this lie or you're believing this or you've put down your shield and you've been getting absolutely pummeled. God, I pray for strength and grace to pick up the shield, to get their faith back in the fire, to, to begin to spend the time with you um, to heal their soul and to wash their minds and, and just begin to really transform them with your word and your presence and your love. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good and you do only good. And I just thank you everywhere in this room, everyone online. I just pray there is freedom from the captivity of trauma. There's freedom from fear. We release freedom from depression or anxiety right now in Jesus' name. I pray that those struggling with addiction, that it is broken off of them in Jesus' name right now, and that the lies telling them that that is who they've always been and who they have to be or that that is the only coping mechanism, that is just the coping mechanism they have to have. God, I just shatter those lies right now and those strongholds around their thinking. I thank you, God. They run to you. They run to you. They run to you when life hurts, when their hearts hurt, when things aren't fair, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bind up suicidal thoughts right now in Jesus' name. Ooh, no more. Command you to leave suicidal spirit, spirit of depression and suicide. Leave in Jesus' name right now. Mm-mm, no more. No more. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Hopelessness and powerlessness. Hopelessness, we command you to go in Jesus' name. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. We, we cling to hope. You were good. We cling to hope. Hmm. Powerlessness. Some of you need to just right now say, God, I'm so sorry. I've, I've powered with a sense of powerlessness that said, I need somebody else to fix this for me. I need to be a victim. I need to, I can't do it on my own. But God, we, we repent of that partnership right now and say, no, no. You are the beautiful, magnificent son and daughter of the Most High God. You have his wisdom and authority his purposes, protection, and provision. 
stand up one, stand up child and, and run. Stand up and run this race again. You are not powerlessness. You are not a victim. We, we, we repent of a partnership with being a victim. Mm. It's kind of the same thing we just prayed, God, so we repent of that as well. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. You're so good. Amen. All right, you guys, thank you so much. We'll say Jesus is Lord on the count of three. Oh, Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world on the count of three. I just got that all jumbled. And if you do want prayer, more prayer specifically, um, you can come talk to me. Who else? Does anybody else want to pray? Is this on your heart too? Do you want to pray for people? Okay, no. Okay, let me know. All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord of the Gunnison Basin and the world. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.